says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. In May of 1967, the Beatles uh, signed a contract to to appear on One World, which at the time was the first live um, satellite television broadcast in history. Um, The goal of this this one world, of this production, was um, to really uh, signify and to hopefully bring about unity in the world in the late 1960s. And with so much going on at that time, there was, I think, probably certainly a, a... a need, a desire to, to want to see that happen. And so 19 different artists from 19 different, different countries were to appear on this broadcast. And uh, each of them was going to perform uh, a song, uh, some, kind of, some kind of performance on this broadcast that would, uh, that would um, take at least a couple hours, I think it was. And so uh, it, late 60s, you could imagine that Britain... Uh, Great Britain wanted to have the Beatles as their representatives um, on this broadcast. And so uh, the Beatles decided to write a particular song for this broadcast. They wrote one of their, um, one of their most, most popular songs, All You Need Is Love. And again, they, you think about the idea of unity, and it seems that this would be a, a good song that was going to be fitting to appear on the broadcast. Uh, the Beatles' manager at the time, Brian Epstein, uh, was interviewed and was asked, well, um, why, did you, why did you write this song? Why did you record this song for this broadcast? And Epstein answered, it was inspired, talking about the song, 
and we really wanted to give the world a message. The nice thing is that the song can't be misinterpreted. It's a clear message saying love is everything. I think in one sense, Brian Epstein, the the manager here, I think he's right. Love is everything. But not fully, not fully right at the same time. See, as we learn in 1 John, love is a really, really big deal. Sharon mentioned it earlier, 51 times love is mentioned in the book of 1 John. Love is something that is obviously very important to John, but in the grand scheme, it's important to God. Love is super important. As we've been studying this, this letter of 1 John this summer, we've, we've, we've talked already about love, but we've seen that there's an issue with some of the recipients of John's letter. Essentially, these, some, of these, uh, some of these recipients and the people that are around them are not fully believing in, in who Jesus was. They're, they're, they don't believe in full that, that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he came in the flesh, that in some sense he was, that Jesus was just this, this kind of other spiritual, spiritual being. He wasn't fully God and fully man as as we truly believe as Christians. They denied the incarnation. And last week we looked at the fact that really the, the test of, of our belief as Christians is whether or not we, we believe that Jesus in fact came in the flesh. And so as we get to our passage this morning, we're, we really get to what the application of the test is all about. So that if we believe that Jesus fully came in the flesh, that he's fully God and fully man, if we believe that, then here's what we will do. John makes it abundantly clear that you and I are called to love. That the message is simple, and yet there's so much wrapped up into this that I think we need to break it down and flesh it out just a little bit more. John makes some striking claims um, in our passage this morning. John says that love comes from God, and at the end of verse 7, that God is love, right? That God freely gives his love. That, you know, it wasn't us who loved God first, but it was, in fact, the opposite. God loved us first. And I think John's trying to make an argument here that true love over and against the world is truly unrecognizable outside of God. It's unrecognizable outside of him. The great church father Augustine said, love is so much the gift of God that it is called God. Love is so much the gift of God that it is called God. That is who God is. That is his very character. That is his very being. And so, flying away uh, uh, over and against the world, God's love is the true standard by which you and I are called to love. I think it's hard for us to maybe understand this fully. 
Because in the English language, at least for me, and in the culture that we live in, the time that we live in, we use love to talk about everything. Um, I love Alabama football. I love steak. I love my children. I love my wife. I love, I love, I love. Yet, John clues us in on what this, this greatest demonstration of love is all about. In verse 9, John writes, This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The, so I played a lot of sports growing up, and uh, as I look back on the sports that I played and the experience that I had playing sports, um, the best coaches that I had far and away over the years were the ones who didn't just tell you what to do, so those who you know, just, just taught and kind of expect you to, expect you to do it. The best coaches were the ones who were actually going to get in there with you and show you what, what you were supposed to do. So whether it's learning how to tackle in football, to shoot a free throw, uh, the best way in basketball to hit a baseball, whatever it might be, the best coaches were the ones who were going to go in and demonstrate what it was all about, what it was like to do these things. I think in a similar way, this is what John is pointing to when he points out that God, in and through his son Jesus, has demonstrated the full extent of what his love is all about. That by taking on flesh, Jesus has come and met us, and he has shown us what it looks like to love perfectly. That ultimately, God's love is the standard by which we are called to live but that we also have hope in. Verse 14, John writes, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So God's love is the standard but John also pivots really quickly here and says, look, if, if, you, if you believe this, if you believe that Jesus is God's son and that he is the Savior, then we are called to acknowledge and we are called to confess that. And the result is that we live in him, God also lives in us. That this idea of, of acknowledging our Savior acknowledging Jesus, confessing him. It's not just about saying what we believe, as important as that is, but, but confessing and acknowledging Jesus in our life is about living what we say we believe. When we acknowledge Jesus, we know that he is Lord over all, not parts of our life, but in everything that we do. We already said that love is talked about 51 times throughout the book of 1 John, but here in particular, we are called to love one another eight times. 
eight times just in these few little verses right here. And so if we're called to love one another, again, because of this love that, that God has poured down on us, then we can't make love an idea or an ideal. It's not just this kind of this abstract idea that we just kind of hang out there and you know, we, we, you know, we try our best at. It has to be more than that. It has to be something so much bigger and so much greater. But let's admit it, right? We don't love people automatically. There are some people that are just really difficult to love, right? I'm sure you could maybe think of a person or two that maybe for whatever reason, it's just really difficult to love them right now. Something that they've said, something that they've done, whatever it might be, it just, it's just really difficult, right? Um, so, Anne, my wife and I, we used to live in Crestline Park, lived in this um, uh, tiny little house in Crestline Park. Um, our, had our first two kids, we brought them back uh, to this house. Um, didn't live there a super long time, but we, uh, we had some neighbors on either side of us, and uh, one set of neighbors, they were all recently graduated um, college guys. So they'd all they uh, bought the house, they'd moved in together. And then on the other side was, was a group of girls. And to say that maybe they still kind of thought that they were, you know, living out the twilight of their college years while they were actually, like, sandwiching our, our family, our house, would be a little bit of an understatement. And what I mean by that is that, you know, they would have, um, they would have get-togethers and parties late into the night. They'd play super loud music and... Um, when you have two very small children and when you crave like every second of sleep that you can possibly get, you know, the last thing you want is at two in the morning to, to walk over to the neighbor's house and say, hey, will you just like turn the music down just a little bit? But this is in fact what I did one night. It, it got so loud, couldn't sleep. Um, our little girl is, is up crying. And so finally I just I had to go over and tell these guys, hey, like, you've got to turn the music down. Like, you, this, this cannot keep happening. And I'll admit that, like, in that moment, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't doing that, like, out of love. I was more frustrated. I was more annoyed, angry, like, telling these, telling these guys, hey, like, just turn the music down just a little bit, man. Like, we're trying to sleep. But I remember... <laughs> If we recall Jesus' words in Matthew 22, he's talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are asking, you know, what, what's, the greatest, what's the greatest commandment? And of course, Jesus answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He goes and adds, and he says, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So I gotta admit, I don't know if I fully loved those guys, my neighbors, as I was loving myself when I walked over to their house at two in the morning. But it can point to this truth, right? That one, it's difficult for us to actually love, but two, that we are also very selective in who we love and how we love. And so ultimately, we need some help. We have to have help 
be able to do this. So this is why I think John writes in verse 13, that we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That we can love as a result of God's presence in our lives by the power and by the work and witness of the Holy Spirit in and through us. That's how we can ultimately do this at all. That the Holy Spirit is our guide, our advocate, our helper. The one who can perhaps change our hearts and our our minds, our wills to go and love that person that it otherwise might be difficult to love. But as annoyed, but as annoyed and, and maybe frustrated with the neighbors um, I was that night, I didn't, I didn't hate them. You know, like, I, yeah, yeah would, would wish that they weren't doing that, that they weren't playing the super loud music, keeping us all up, right? Um, but I, I didn't hate them. I, I think that would be a little bit extreme, right? And I, I think maybe you and I could admit that that's a little bit extreme. I think in a similar way, John says, look, if, if you have any, any hate or, or if we say that we hate others, then there's no way that we can be truly loving. We can't, we can't love in the way that God has called if, if there is hate in us. Verse 17, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Look, if, if for whatever reason we hate, the equation just doesn't add up. It's like saying one plus one equals three. Love and hate don't align. I think John is pointing us to an even deeper issue here. I think he's pointing us to fear. I think fear is the, is the deeper issue that John is wanting to tap into here. That fear is at the root of our inability and maybe at our unwillingness to love. We fear judgment. We fear not being accepted, not being liked, not being understood, not being known. And yet the great promise that these last few verses reveal to us, specifically, perfect love casts out fear. Um, I remember when I became a dad for the first time, so um, Josh, my oldest, is three and a half, and I remember being, like, really excited about the fact that I was becoming a dad. Like, that, that was super exciting. But I think, like any dad, I was also a little anxious, a little worried. I think in a lot of ways, in some ways at least, maybe a lot of ways, I was a little bit fearful. I was a little bit fearful. I mean, the idea of taking care of, of a child, of being responsible for a kid, I mean, that, that and, and thinking about becoming a dad, like, it just blew me away. Like, I just, I could not believe it. 
that I was going to be responsible for caring and loving and providing for a child in this world. Yet, as I began to get up in the middle of the night, give a bottle, change a dirty diaper, to hold him while he's fussing, begin to see that fear can slowly just vanish. It'll just erode. It'll cease, cease to be there. I think in a similar way, we are called to just get in and to love by the power and the work of, of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. To make love a practice, a habit. As we begin to do this, we see that fear has no place and that it will go and vanish. That we can be confident that through God's love in Christ and through the cross, that we have hope that this, at some point, we don't know, but it will cast out all fear someday, and that we can have confidence to love in the face of fear. There's this, I think, kind of great. Um, a great symbolism going on that the, the love that God has poured down on us, this, this love, we don't deserve it, we, we don't fully understand it at times, but that this love that, that God has poured down on us through Jesus, that we get to go out and that we get to live. We get to go out, it's kind of horizontally, right? Going out, and loving. That this love It's truly cruciform love. It's vertical love coming down and that we get to go and to share it. And so I hope and pray that as a community at Mount Bird Baptist, we will continue to love others here um, in our communities around us in our workplaces. I pray that we would be people who are marked by love. That this is indeed a message, a clear message as the Beatles manager Brian Epstein said many years ago, but that it's a, it's a clear message because of the one in whom we trust, in whom we place our faith, God, our Father, who is love, through his Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we thank you so much, God. We um, are grateful for your love. God, we are thankful that you have loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die for us, to take our place. God, we pray that we would remember that your love is the standard. Your love is the standard by which, Lord, all love is measured. God, that we can love one another, or not through our own effort, but God, because you have given us of your Holy Spirit, And so, God, I ask and pray that we would be confident in the face of fear to continue to love. We thank you, Lord. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.